Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Checkfront, the booking platform trusted by over 5,000 tour and activity operators around the world. You can start your own free 21-day trial over at Checkfront.com. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Hello and welcome to episode 163 of Tourpreneur. This is the podcast where we flatten the learning curve for tour operators and travel professionals around the world. I'm going to hand over the reins to Sean Teasley because we're going to bring you, or we are bringing you, a fresh serving of our Meet the Marketing Agency. Today, we feature Evan Tipton over at Thomas. We've brought on two tour operators, one who's a client, one who's shopping around. And what's really cool about this episode is Evan actually does a deep dive on one of our tour printers. In fact, on two of her, she runs two different tour businesses. And he talks about low-hanging fruit, what our guests can do uh, without spending too much money, actually, organic stuff to improve her website conversions. We talk Google ads. There's some staggering figures in this one. I was blown away what Evan has done for Billy in terms of his Google ad spend and the return. We also talk about chatbots. And I have to be honest, I'm not that fait with chatbots. So I, I definitely learned a ton from Evan about chatbots and AI chatbots. And maybe I need to come out of the dark ages and start endorsing this stuff. But I have a favor. Before we go into today's episode, uh, Sean and I want to ask you really, what do you think of these? So the format is we have the marketing agency, we have a client, we have an operator who's shopping around. And then we have Sean. And Sean is a social media strategist and digital marketing consultant over at socialtonic.us. And because she's really in the weeds with this stuff, I felt she'd be a better host than myself um, because it's all things digital marketing and content, etc. But we want to know what you think of this series. It is a pilot does cost money to produce this. Also, we're asking three people, four people actually with Sean, to give us at least an hour of their time. We only want to produce content here that you find valuable and useful. So do drop me an email at shane at tourpreneur.com. Let me know if you enjoy it. Uh, or maybe let you know, if, are there certain questions we're not asking that you wish we were asking the marketing agencies and their clients and the shoppers? We would love to hear from you because Tourpreneur is your show. Sean and I are very privileged to host the show and have these conversations, but this really is your podcast. So please do drop me a line at shane at tourpreneur.com or comment on our Facebook group or wherever you may see us sharing this on social. And if I could ask you, if you did enjoy today's show, 
please do share it with other tour operators uh, around the world. That's how we can keep the train on the tracks, as it were. The more downloads we get, um, the more operators we can help. So without further ado, let's cross over to Sean Teasley. To give you a rundown on who's on the show today, let me first introduce you to Amada Anderson, founder and guide of the New York Broadway Tours and Winter Haven Food Tours in Florida. Amada is like many tourpreneurs. She wears all the hats and runs both locations. Welcome, Amada. Thank you. I'm very, very happy to be here. Excellent. So to give us a quick intro, what else should tourpreneurs know about your business? I have two different businesses, as you mentioned. One is food tours uh, that are just in downtown Winter Haven, Florida. So Winter Haven is in central Florida, about 45 minutes from Orlando. And then my tour company in New York is a musical theater lover's dream. (laughs) It's an interactive musical theater, Broadway history with themed tours like Glee and Rent and In the Heights. So it's completely two different types of tour experiences. Awesome. You are (laughs) multi-talented. Excellent. All right. Next, we have Evan Tipton, founder and CEO of Thomas, which is short for Tour Operator Marketing Intelligence Software, an agency based in the U.S. Thomas is your digital marketing assistant, and their team specifically works with tourpreneurs. Welcome, Evan. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Excellent. So tell us, when tourpreneurs come to Thomas, what are they usually coming for your expertise? In simplest form, we increase direct bookings for tour operators. Why more specifically? We're one-stop shop. So, you know, we kind of say there's not a digital scenario that we can run up against where we don't have an arrow in our quiver uh, that we can deploy. In addition to kind of full-service digital marketing agency services, we also have proprietary software that we are able to offer to our clients. It actually integrates with Peak, so we'll probably talk about that today. And, you know, the software, it's meant to complement the res system. It's more of like a growth platform. So automates online review generation. We've got a lot of customer communication options and then kind of ultimately aggregates all of your marketing and sales data um, under one roof for the first time to just make more make sense of all this data for you as a business owner. I think the second piece for why people come to Thomas is that it's very personal with us. So we have a small accounts to account manager, we call them marketing managers, but a small accounts to account manager ratio. Uh, most of our clients have been with us for years, you know, for the long haul to grow together. And I think we just, that sort of intimacy you know, translates into very effective client communication, expectation management, and then certainly overall performance. Kind of thirdly, I would say it's our directly relevant um, experience in this industry. So we've been doing it for over a decade. We've got folks that have worked at reservation systems, have OTA backgrounds, have been guides themselves. So we kind of pride ourselves on being like our customer's customer. So when we're not in the office working for you, we're doing many of the same things our clients offer. And it's easier to do that being based in Missoula, Montana, especially for our outdoor recreation clients. So yeah, one-stop shop with services as well as software, client management and performance, and then the industry experience and expertise. Excellent. 
Oh, I can't wait to dive into that. All right. Lastly, we have Billy Marquis, president and owner of Arkansas River Tours. He joins us from Salida, Colorado, and is a current client of Thomas. Welcome, Billy. Thanks for having me. Give us a little background on your tour business, including who's your target audience? Whitewater rafting and fly fishing outfit. And we're based on the Arkansas River in Colorado. It's highly competitive. There's about 48 permits on that river. And it's one of the top commercially rafted rivers in the U.S. So competition's really tough. And those competitors range from small outfits to very like corporate large outfits. Our target market is... 70% of them is between 25 and 54 years old. About 52% are female. Most of them come from drive markets. So it's going to be Denver, Colorado Springs. And we get a lot of people from Texas. So like Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio. And then behind that, it's going to be like Chicago and New York City. Okay. And when you say 48 permits, does that mean there are 48 other operators? Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we had our work cut out for us when Billy came on board. A lot of direct competition. Whoa, okay, yeah. <laughs> In this conversation, we'll be covering SEO best practices, incorporating Google Ads, and learning a few advantages of different forms of chat communications. Let's dive in. When operators are thinking about hiring an agency, engaging with an agency, what's important for them to realize? Are there minimums, like for instance, with working with you and your ads and their, their desire for ad spends? Give us a lowdown on that. So there's no minimums um, in terms of ad spend. We The pricing model is just based on the services that you sign up for. So we're not taking a percentage of anything or... You know, we're not incentivized to ask spend more necessarily. I think it aligns sort of end objectives um, for both parties there. You know, they say it takes, you got to spend money to make money. You know, we try and only lean on the credit card when it makes sense, so to speak. And there's a lot of ways to drive website traffic, direct bookings where you don't have to spend, spend, spend. I think it's helpful when... Not necessarily what service mix maybe they need, but just have identified pain points and, you know, objectives. A lot of the times the pain points that operators have, maybe it's revenue related. I just want more bookings, but maybe it's operational in nature. If we can uncover those up front, especially even before they sign a contract, we can basically create a tailor-made sort of product and service mix for them. So for example, if people are showing up to the wrong meeting location all the time, you know, maybe that's something we need to address in a confirmation or reminder email, or maybe there's too many unnecessary like phone calls asking, basically frequently asked questions. So maybe that's indication that, you know, the automated AI chatbot is a good fit. Honestly, one of the biggest challenges is getting all of the marketing log information that we need from new clients up front. That's so true. There's so many different components to logging in, getting access, all of that. Evan was just mentioning this idea of like not leaning on the credit card as much. Do you have any examples of how that's come about with you guys? You can spend a lot of money on, on ads, Google ads, social ads. Social ads aren't as expensive, but with the help of Thomas, we're successfully decreased my amount of ad spend over most years. This year went up a little bit, 
but over what I did about four years ago, it's almost cut in half, which is great because we're getting more bookings organically. So four years ago, were you doing it on your own? Is that what you're comparing what your efforts were to then when you brought them on? Or what do you mean by? I had someone else doing them, but I was not doing it myself. It was just different mentality. Okay. Amada, let's dive into some of the SEO areas. Give us the framework of what kind of SEO efforts have you put in? Are you blogging? Are you using keywords? Are you doing Google ads? When I launched Winter Haven Food Tours this year, I definitely got myself my Google page. And then it had it said something like, you know, do you, I tried to follow the prompts that, that it gave me as far as like the steps of creating an ad and, and just making sure that people, if they Google food tours in Florida, you know, hopefully I would pop up. And I guess I put up like, a, I think it was like $75 or something like that. And I did get some traffic. Again, though, I'm not sure if some of my traffic was coming from TripAdvisor as well. But I know that it, I'm not really sure if, if I was doing it correctly, but <laughs> I tried to follow the prompts, you know, so as somebody who is very new to that, and then as far as trying to get more business organically, I do have a blog and I do have YouTube. And what I've tried to do with Winter Haven Food Tour since I'm here, I've been trying to be the tour guide that is places to eat, things to do. And what I've noticed is I've definitely gotten like over 25 subscribers already on YouTube from like the four videos that I've posted, which I think is kind of good. And then I've noticed that when I post the video on Facebook, obviously I'm getting like, like I had a little short video that was three minutes for a local barbecue place. And I've already gotten like 1.75 thousand views. And I was like, wow, that, I guess this place has been around in business for a long time and people know it. But, you know, my goal is trying to get people to come to my website, book a tour. And so for that, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to do more video. And then as far as on the New York Broadway tour side, we have been blogging the latest updates of Broadway news. And I do get almost 200 visits a day on the blogs. So there's more written blog information on that tour company, but the other one is more video. So I'm trying to keep it balanced, but I do have somebody that I hire who is one of my tour guides and he creates all that content for me. So he's fantastic at it. <laughs> the written content for um, New York? Yes. Okay. Evan, do you want to take it from here and kind of talk about things that you have seen from looking at her website and other recommendations to just increase the ranking and visibility for her? Absolutely. I think it's important to understand, I guess, one, where are your customers coming from? Is it mostly in destination, tourists versus locals? What does that look like in Florida as well as up in New York? Yeah, in Florida, actually, it's been more people visiting. So people who are coming to Orlando or Tampa, I'm thinking they found me on TripAdvisor. They just were looking for food tours and they found me and they're like, oh, she's open for business. So that's where I've been getting a lot of people. And then as far as the locals, just recently been in a popular magazine that was over here. The Chamber podcast hosted me. And then there was like a local store that does her own. She has her own followings. So I've just started getting more press for the locals to know who I am. Cause they were all like, there's a food tour. We didn't even know there was a food tour. Well, cause I'm a new company, you know? So it was exciting 
but I definitely want to make sure that I guess I want like both for here in this, you know, in central Florida. And then in, for in New York, it was always new travelers. New Yorkers hardly ever go on a tour. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> that makes sense. The food tour location in Winter Haven is what, less than a year old? Gotcha. And then how about for Broadway? Broadway, we've been since 2012. So it's, yeah, like eight, eight, nine years. Yeah. And how long have you, well, one, I should say, or I should ask, I should say, do you feel like you've got all of your tracking in place? Peak, Google Analytics, Facebook Pixel? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm actually 100% honest. I'm not sure. You are not alone there, let me tell you. In terms of, I guess, trying to stick directly to SEO, I mean, one, uh, we had one of uh, our data scientists was running an analysis and came knocking on my door at my office and barged right in, actually. But he was laughing because he finished this correlation analysis between organic traffic and your revenue. So it is laughable just how highly correlated your organic traffic is with your revenue, online as well as total revenue. We've basically been able to boil it down that each additional organic website visitor can be worth to almost $12. The average on our clients is around seven. So that validates that, okay, we should invest. It's definitely a long game, but it's, one of those where it makes the business more resilient. There's no commission on it, which we love. And it's the best driver of sustained growth over time. So you can't cheat it, you can't fake it, and it makes it easier to forecast. It's more predictable. So we know SDO and the blogging efforts to the primary, you know, the primary drivers in terms of getting more organic traffic is basically invaluable. If we look at the... Winter Haven site. One of the updates that Google rolled out this past summer, they called it their core web vitals. Uh, a lot of it has to do with site speed. There's some more technical p- components to it about how content's loading on your website. But there's two sites that you can plug your website into and sort of test and see what the, basically like a, a score zero through hundred and then like A through F. There's definitely work to do on the core web vitals piece. We got Fs on both sites and then a 15 out of hundred for Winter Haven and 12 out of hundred on mobile for the Google page speed insights. Fortunately, that's a fairly easy fix. So you're on WordPress and we have a basically an upfront package. It's just a couple, has an hours cap. And we basically just take care of that. So we take everything that's in the red into the green and take that F and turn it into an A. And that's, you know, low-hanging fruit, one of the easiest ways that we can. You know, it's good, not just from an SEO standpoint, but also from a con- conversion rate standpoint on the website. So there's studies out there that show, again, the correlation between low time and conversion rates. So that would probably be one of the first things Evan, is that just like a SEO optimization package that you offer? Is that kind of what you're mentioning here? So we have SEO as a monthly service, but this core web vitals piece is just an upfront one-off. So we 
who just addressed this very specific piece, the core web vitals, which is part of the big SEO picture, but again, focuses mostly on site speed. Okay. So it's kind of like this where you start and then you get into the SEO from there. Another piece that might be related to some of this, and you never really know until you get into the back end of your website and, and lift the hood, but it looks like, and I may be mistaken, but it looks like both sites are hosted on GoDaddy. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yep. So we always encourage our clients to basically never kind of shortchange themselves on website hosting. It's the engine that is powering your most important business asset, which is, I mean, your tour, don't get me wrong, but from a digital standpoint, your website. So GoDaddy is like the Walmart of servers. Unless you purchased a dedicated private hosting environment on GoDaddy, you're basically in a bowl. You're a marble in a bowl with hundreds or thousands. So it just depends of other websites that you have no idea who they are. And they could be malicious. Basically, there's better hosting options out there that won't break the bank, but would help with sort of technical performance of the website, especially as it relates to site speed and security. And it's always nice to know the first and last name, or at least have a phone number of the person that's hosting your website. So GoDaddy is definitely inexpensive, but that's another, I would say, kind of low-hanging fruit piece. It's just getting onto a server that is that can power better performance and probably be more secure. A third piece would be the... and. This is SEO slash sort of like conversion rate optimization, but without knowing, I would I'd venture to guess that more of your website traffic is coming from mobile devices than desktop. And I think there's definitely room to improve on the mobile experience. So one thing that we do for almost all of our clients is put on this fixed mobile menu bar. So it just sits at the bottom of the browser, and we've tested this, but basically I have your four most important sort of calls to action fixed on the bottom of the mobile device, and the far right one is gonna be the book button, and it's gonna be in a different color. If I was a betting man, I would venture to guess that just by increasing that site speed and putting that mobile menu bar on there, you're gonna see definitely increases in terms of conversion rate. Billy, do you have any thoughts on this? Like when you first started working with Thomas, is this a process that you went through and also took on? Yeah. I mean, we definitely kind of got into the weeds on a lot of these pieces. And for me, like, I know I don't have that expertise. That's why I hired them. I think the biggest thing is just to be open and and try new things because I wasn't afraid if it didn't work, but I'm always like curious maybe there's this new trick, there's this new thing and trying it. And with some of these tools, like it's called Google Optimize, you can track two different scenarios. Like you make this tweak on your website, like put that bar at the bottom of mobile, 50% of the people can see it and then 50% see the old one. And then you see like what conversion rates change, what does different and it's a super helpful tool. So like my advice is just be open and try stuff, honestly. Yeah, we've really appreciated um, Billy's openness to, yeah, basically experiment. And it's it's sort of like the Maslow's hierarchy. I mean, we weren't 
running Google uh, or Google Optimize like AB or multivariate tests in the first year or two. You know, we we worked our way up to that point, but there's always low hanging fruit for new clients that come in, and we one of the challenges of being an agency in this industry is that you got to do a lot with a little. I mean, there's very few people that come in with a budget that we couldn't spend that much if we tried. That's never the case, right? So usually we have to create our own budget. It's a delicate dance or fine line between leading with revenue, things like Google ads or Facebook ads, but also wanting to make sure that we're set up for the long game with this SDO foundation. And that being said, the first thing that we do for every single new client is go through a process what we call our digital foundation. So it's up to 10 hours. We only charge upon completion based on how many hours it took, but it will, we set up your, it's like digital plumbing. So Google analytics, making sure everything's tracking cleanly and accurately, customize your Facebook pixel, make sure it's all talking to your reservation system. So peak in this instance, we put some other third-party kind of plugins or applications on the site, such as like Hotjar, to make sure that we can monitor how people are uh, interacting and engaging with the site. It's a one-off, again, upfront item that even if we didn't do anything else together, you know that you can trust the data that is being tracked and make you know informed decisions off of it going or from it going forward. I've got a slew. Like, what's that, sir? Oh, I just wasn't sure how. How much detail do you need to go into on the SEO front? I've got two pages of bullet points, so. (laughs) Okay. We have like the baseline of what Evan was saying, that there are these core vitals that they they can go into and then the foundation. But then from more on the SEO perspective, is there anything else that you want to kind of dive into specifically? From what I understand of SEO, I mean, I know that, you know, you need the keywords on each page. And I did have for all of my tours at one point, I probably still have these pages up each specific tour, you know, like on my winter Haven food tours, I have like a, the tour the dessert tour and it's got its own page. And so I know that that page itself, you know, needs to have its own SEO keywords, right? Amada, from what you're hearing Evan describe, what other things in the SEO perspective, specifically like maybe around different pages and things that you want to help equip your website with, what other questions do you have for Evan? As far as like the the site speed and everything, I'm just wondering like how much is having too much on your website in each page? Is it better to have less or is it better to have more, I guess? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think it depends on what that content is and the way it's structured. So one of the things that we definitely found on both sides is there's room to improve the the structure. So just like humans read left to right, top to bottom, does the basically Google bot. And the easier, think of it as like a spider. The easier it can go and crawl through every nook and cranny of your website, the better... Google search algorithm basically will understand this is who they are, this is where they are, this is their hours of operations, this is what they do. And I think there's room to just clean up basically the organization and the structure because you actually have, and I haven't even seen some of this before, I love the potential behind all of this play-based or like 
local activity guide directory content that you have. But there are little things such like before we go to the dessert tour that we were talking about on the homepage for Winter Haven, the R tours, that's an H2. So like a H2, like a heading tag. We kind of want to work our way down the page. Like that should probably be an H1. And then on top of that, instead of H2, it's an H1. We also might want to say our Winter Haven food tours. Or if you wanted to go after Florida, we could say there's definitely room to optimize. Um, we don't want to stuff keywords. We want it to read very kind of organically, but definitely room to weave some additional keywords in there. And then once we get to, say, the dessert tour page, I mean, all the information that one needs on here. So this is one of my favorite, this tour specific page, I would say out of the two sites, um, this one is my favorite. And even just, you know, aesthetically the use of the icons, we like structured lists, easier for the human eye to digest. But there's a lot of different formatting across the sites, but even on this page. So font colors, font sizes, some are lists, some are paragraph text, some are lists that are inside boxes, some are in accordions that can break out, like expand or collapse. So I think if you basically focused on one of these two or specific pages and cleaned up the, basically create a template out of it, then you can go and apply that to the remaining, or each of the rest of the, the two or specific pages. For like some consistency and continuity across the, the whole website, is that what you mean? Yep, yeah, exactly. Usually we like to have, you know, your first level homepage, most important page. A second level, maybe there's a, category page like food tours or all tours and then we've got our third level you know tour specific pages we talked about the tour specific page a little bit the second level pages where we've got that peak embed with all the tours listed we actually don't have it on the winter haven site we have it on the new york site one thing since i've been here the tours tab in the navigation menu when you click that it's a 404 um, so it's a broken link basically so it's forward slash all dash tours so the the spider google spider that we keep referencing goes there it basically is running into a wall now it's to turn around and figure out where i need to go back to but the r tours page is linked um, to forward slash broadway hyphen tours and there's just room to, again, put more structure on this page. So there's no heading tags. It's mostly made up of just that the peak sort of gallery view of all the tours. So this is definitely low-hanging fruit. Again, this wouldn't take months by any means to, you know, to update or improve. Got a quick message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to today's show. Stay tuned. Do you spend many nights sitting at your desk trying to figure something out in your booking system to make it work better for your business? With Checkfront, you'll always have access to a friendly support team who's quick to reply with a step-by-step solution no matter what you need help with. Find out other ways Checkfront can make things easier for you at checkfront.com forward slash tourpreneur. 
I can tell that you're you're looking at the website as well. What other tips do you have, um, you know, as somebody that has cleaned up their website and gone through this process? From my standpoint, I think focusing on mobile is critical. I think you should do that first. They always say mobile first, but it's true, especially if you have people in market looking. Um, that's the first place people go. So if it's not like functioning well, pictures don't show up or crop correctly, it kind of, you know, turns people off. If it doesn't like that speed slow, you know, they're going to bounce right away. What I would do is really focus in on how it looks on mobile and the ease of use and to make sure everything's functioning as it should. It does take a lot of time to kind of go through and test everything. Cause I know with like my own website, it's like you look at it so many times, it's hard to see those issues or errors. But if you have another team or someone else, like they spot them a lot easier. There's all sorts of stuff. I mean, something I focused on this last year too was, was a lot of the messaging. And that goes in with the, S, not so much the SEO, but it, it helps with that, that conversion. And I work in adventure travel. So like safety is a big issue, right? So it's providing that confidence, you know, that they're going to be safe on this tour. We know what we're doing. And for your clients, you want to make sure, you know, you guys know what you're doing and they're going to have a good experience. They're going to have good food. You know, it's, it's just kind of thinking like, what are those main issues that the people are shopping around for? Yeah. Or obstacles to booking or feeling yeah. Com- yeah, comfortable, confident. And you do do a good job of um, integrating the, those reviews that you have on the website, which I think is a, uh, definitely important. Um, one last, and there's more, we, could keep, we can keep going if you want, but one other sort of, I would say, big low-hanging fruit item is it looks like there's room to either claim for the first time or at least optimize and finish filling out the Google My Business profiles. So adding your website, a category for tour operator, I think there's a food vendor, and then also a location. That'll be definitely um, a, a critical one. In our last episode, we were talking about Google My Business as well and the value of even just posting once a week and adding a new image and then just doing some quick updates because that also helps Google. It feeds the algorithm in, in the sense of that you are adding new content constantly and it's a form of SEO optimization as well. Let's shift gears a little now and explore the basics and the advantages of Google Ads. Evan, why would tourpreneurs consider using Google Ads as a part of their overall marketing strategy? Uh, when it's done right, it works. It's very efficient and effective and can be one of, if not the most yeah, effective immediate revenue drivers. You know, there's, I guess, disclaimers I would put on that. Yet there's reasons why it makes sense. Or I should say there's reasons when it doesn't make as much sense. But as a whole, it's our, can't say our most popular service, but the lion's share of our, our clients use Google Ads because it works. And it also has, I would say, probably the most granular level of sort of reporting so it's kind of like putting a tracking chip on every dollar. You're not operating in the dark wondering, you know, again, if the tracking set up correctly, you know if it's working or not. And so, Billy, when you first started, is this something that you started with Google Ads right away or are you doing Google Ads now? Yeah, so we we did it right away. And I honestly don't have that knowledge of how to place them in 
what the tactics and strategies are. That's where Thomas comes in. But as the time went on, we're definitely extending the time frame when we place ads. So I, I have a seasonal business. We operate less than half the year. Before it was like we just do a little bit here and a little bit there. But as as I move forward, it seems like I'm spending less, but I'm spreading it out more over the course of the year. And it's just it's more effective. Like from what I see doing some of the searches for rafting in the Arkansas, it's like you'll see my ad up there and then a couple things with my business. So it kind of pushes everyone out of that first page. Not everyone's going to just go and click on that, but it does give you that that number zero position or even zero, one, two, three. I think that has a huge impact when someone's searching and they're just going to find something, click on it, and then they just you know go down that customer journey. Yeah, you're taking a huge chunk of the top of the page by doing that. And that's a good example of definitely when there's people bi- competitors bidding on Billy's branded basically search terms. So we kind of have to create a moat. You know, we can reasonably basically say that Billy made almost $12 for every dollar spent this year on Google Ads. And there's a little bit of a, a gap in terms of knowing exactly how many phone calls or contact forms that submitted from Google Ads actually ended up converting. But he had at least a 6x ROI just from the bookings that came online. And there are hundreds of other leads that came from Google ads. So, you know, definitely pencils out. It's competitive in that market, certainly. And that's one of the items I was going to mention is just, there isn't necessarily a true direct competitor, say in Winter Haven for food tours. It may not make sense to go after or deploy Google ads. Um, in New York, you know, certainly going to be more, uh, a more competitive market, even if it's not a direct competitor, you're competing against everyone, every other thing to do more or less. We've had success in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, you name it. And not just with kind of your core New York City Broadway tours, which I don't think you need to bid on because you show up, you know, first organically for that. But, you know, a client of ours has a a Chinatown food tour in New York City. And, you know, the cost per acquisition, basically the cost to get a booking from Google Ads for those tours is a little under $10 that pencils out and is less basically less expensive than paying the commission to an OTA. So I think there's always ways to go after like whether it's long tail keywords or if you are competing with OTAs, there's sort of strategies you can deploy such as like remarketing lists. So you can try and outbid them based on someone searching has already been to your website and you want to bid more on them if it's their second time. You know, one of the things that we see very often when operators have set up their own Google ads is that people don't purchase in sort of like any sort of set or like evenly distributed fashion. You're targeting your bids. They must like adjust and account for the fact that people are buying at different times of the day, different days of the week. There's different demographics, there's different devices, and certainly different locations. So if you turn ads on without having bid adjustments in place or like a custom ad schedule, you know, you probably don't want to spend money at three in the morning. Maybe for some odd reason, people are purchasing Broadway tours at three in the morning. But if you haven't spent your budget for 
Google will spend your money. They're very, very good at that. And so the more you can basically kind of aim small, miss small. So the more refined you can get with your targeting, and this is where the historical data piece comes in. If we know, you know, that time of day, that day of week, those locations, and it fluctuates over the course of the year. So we have different targeting settings for Billy in the spring than we do in peak season. And as he mentioned earlier, we're spending, we're telling Google, we want to pay more for ads to be shown in Dallas because we know that is one of the prime time booking locations. So the worst thing that we see is people just turning on Google ads and kind of setting it and forgetting it. So if there's active management, it's set up properly and the ads are pointed to landing pages that are optimized and well-structured, it should, could and should be a very efficient and effective uh, revenue stream. Evan, how long does it take to gain, gain that, that traction or data um, to be able to know how to tweak? Tell us about that like time frame there. An invaluable amount of time. I'm just kidding. It definitely depends, especially if we don't have any historical data. The more the merrier, we say, right? But, you know, in the first two weeks, first two months, you know, they, it's like a fine line. It definitely gets better in time the more we accumulate data-wise. So, and that's one of the things that we, and Billy mentioned earlier, we can, not every time, but we can make you more and you can spend less. But ultimately, we always want to back our way up this spending curve. So like the law of diminishing returns says, you know, at some point you're going to spend more and not necessarily make more. So we don't want to exceed that sweet spot on the, that curve, but we want to back our way up slowly and find that sweet spot and then stay there and optimize the heck out of it. Can you give us an example of like, what's a tourpreneur that comes to your agency? What's a low budget that they might approach you guys with? A tourpreneur is even option to come and spend their budget, however big it might be. It's such a tough question. There's just so much variance, but there's some that spend a hundred thousand to try and make a million from Google Ads. There's some that spend a couple thousand a year. We spend less than one percent of our online revenue with Billy this year in terms of Google Ads budget. Most commonly we see around two percent of your online revenue, but a first year business is definitely different than a ten year old business. So you know, a five-day, multi-day operators with the average booking value of 16000 is different than, you know, a kayak rental company. So it's super loaded question, and it's, it's hard to say, but depending on the business objectives, the competitive landscape, um, your average booking value, there's usually ways to make money on Google Ads, and it doesn't have to break the bank. So budget is usually not the barrier to entry. And Billy, I have a question for you. Which month do you guys start your operations? We start operating in April, and it's it's pretty quiet that time. We only do fishing tours for the most part, and then May is when it kicks off. And I would say our business doesn't really pick up until after Memorial Weekend, and then the trend climbs and climbs, and like usually around July fourth or mid July is like the peak season, and we'll hover around that for a while, and then it'll, it starts to dip, and then August fifteenth, school's back in session. And then it gets quiet. And then we have like one last hurrah for like Labor Day weekend. And that's it for the most part. And so prior to April, when are you starting those ads? We started dabbling a little bit around holidays to do like gift card sales. So we did some spend in December last year. And then 
it kind of ramps up, but mm -hmm. we'll start in January and it kind of builds it as we go. Awesome. Um, Amada, do you do the same around the holidays or is that a strategy you want to implore? You know, since COVID haven't completely everything just being down for so long and now it's like, oh, that's right. Gift certificates. We can sell those. So I was like, oh, I got to write that down because I would have forgot. But yes, yes, I, I try to push the, the gift cards around the holidays. Excellent. Good thing this podcast is coming out before Christmas to remind all of our entrepreneurs. <laughs> well, and again, there, you know, a good example of an area where you don't necessarily have to pay to promote those gift cards with like Google ads would be an email marketing campaign or I've got clients that send out postcards. You could do some on Google My Business too. You could post, post it there. Oh, like a deal. Yeah. Yeah, but like for in Billy's case or Amada, you can do an email campaign to all of your past guests and remarket them in a sense. Absolutely. Amada, you mentioned before the recording that you had some questions that you wanted to dive into the Google Pixel. Do you want to ask those specific questions here? I guess, you know, when you create the ads and you have your targeted audience, I guess from how it's Facebook work, it's finding the people that has visited your website or visited your page. And then it's retargeting those people. Is there anything extra that I have to fix in my Pixel itself? It will. And I haven't seen the setup that you have, but typically you'll want to set up events to sort of capture. So like a page view, the, a big one would be initiate checkout. So they started to check out, but they didn't finish. Obviously purchases, you've got forms on your website, you know, add to cart some product or WooCommerce script on the website. So as long as you've got the actions that we care about that a website visitor might take if those are being collected and you're ready to set up abandoned carts campaigns or remarketing campaigns yeah because when i first started you know playing around with it it was just thought oh okay just put the snippet of code somewhere on your on your website and then i wasn't sure like was there something else that i was supposed to be doing with it but yeah now that makes sense if you create an event to tell it to do something there are, there's certainly been some, some major updates of late with you know, iOS 14. We have basically a guide that we can send you. It's something that's part of the digital foundation that we talked about as well. But, you know, verifying your website domain in your Facebook business manager, setting up and prioritizing those events. And then, honestly, it's putting the pressure on the reservation systems to make the changes to their pixel tracking code that we need them to make to mitigate some of the technical or tracking limitations with, with iOS 14. Okay, so you had mentioned in an email to me that we could talk about AI chatbots, SMS chats, and then live chat. Is there one of those specific that you want to go into that kind of applies to either Billy or... Evan, from what I'm hearing, clients come to Thomas for other marketing needs and then end up exploring AI chatbots, SMS chats, live chat. How does that all work together in the whole marketing strategy? One of the beautiful things about having an agency as well as a software platform is that, you know, over the last five years, we've been able to listen to our agency clients and build software to address those pain points. And certainly one of the most common ones is I have an FAQ page, information's on the website, but they still call me, they still email me with 
frequently asked questions. We have, we're now like version three of our AI chatbot, which we say basically, if you can train a human or a staff member to answer a question, we can train the chatbot to answer it in automated fashion. Now it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not, it wouldn't be the best option to handle, you know, a big corporate or private custom tour, but what it would allow is basically that person to get to maybe a contact form or a click to call or click to email button that much faster. And then because you've saved that much time, not having to answer, you know, those unnecessary FAQ questions, you can spend more time on sort of that customer experience for those big ticket corporate private custom groups. The, the data behind the AI chatbot is incredibly compelling. Billy's a little bit different than you, Amada, in terms of just we're running, you know, a lot, pretty high volume, just, you know, half-day rafting trips, right? So a little bit different than Broadway or, you know, food tours even. But the same logic still applies in terms of all of the software we've built in terms of, like, the customer communication experience is meant to, one, save you time, two, basically enhance the customer experience and three, making more money online. You know, for Billy, we looked up his numbers from this year with the, with the chatbot and he had almost 5,000 questions come in. There's 131 bookings for almost $60,000 attributed to the chatbot. And what's interesting, so the core competency is definitely, you know, automated customer service agent, but it's also a very effective sales enablement tool. So those that interacted with the chatbot on Billy's website this year, they booked online almost 300% higher rate than all website traffic average. So it's getting website visitors, potential customers, the information they're looking for when they're looking for it. And we live in a convenience economy, right? So if we can do that, then the result is not always that high, but we are seeing basically 150% on average, at least higher conversion rate for those that interact with the bot. Those are huge numbers. Wow. Absolutely. And what's interesting, because Billy also runs private trips, actually does a good bit of his bookings offline, only 2.6% of those 5,000 conversations asked to talk to a human. And we actually expect it to be a little bit higher. So 1,200 plus people asked the bot check availability which is the most common question that we get, any bot gets. For instance, 239 people asked Billy's chatbot about his hours of operation. 170 people asked about age requirements. So for those, you know, there's nothing necessarily personal about answering a question about hours of operations or cancellation policy. So if they can get that answered in real time on the site, maybe that is a blocker barrier to move forward. Um, so the bot can push them further down the funnel. Whether it's you or for others that aren't interested in the chatbot for whatever reason, we have two other options. So one is just traditional live chat. So you can have live chat, kind of like you have the Facebook Messenger chat on your site. We've got live chat. Probably the more popular than the live chat is the SMS chat. So for you, it works the same. We've got a desktop app. We have a mobile app. So if someone comes to your website, they can, and you have SMS chat turned on, they fill out their name and their number and their message. And what 
nice about SMS versus live chat is they can take the conversation with them. I think it's unreasonable to expect someone to just stick around your site for you know the next hour. And with SMS chat, they can take it with them on the go. Um, the conversation's persistent, so they don't respond for four days. You'll still have that same thread, and you can respond to them if you're in the grocery store on your phone. For Billy, Tony's on the ski lift, likes to respond to them there. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner is having the bot plus SMS or live chat. So the bot's your first layer. And if there's a question the bot doesn't understand, it'll prompt them to say, hey, would you like to speak to a live agent? So you can go from bot to SMS chat. So that 3%, 2.6% of folks still may not actually need to call you or email you, but you can now have a live, you know, a one-on-one exchange with them. A lot of flexibility with the customer communication functionality that we have and it's definitely evolving in terms of how people want to and expect to be able to interact and engage with, you know, businesses. Wow. That's fascinating. I have two follow-up questions for Billy then based on what Evan's saying. When you do get the offline bookings coming in, how are you getting those or what does that look like? And then what else do you have to comment about how the bot's working for you? The bot is awesome. <laughs> for me, for example, it's not just about the bookings. It's about the added resources that you know it automates, right? So think about, I have about 45 people on payroll during the season. Now I have one, which is me. During the off season, I have this chat bot answering all these questions for me. It frees up my time and I don't have to hire that extra person to answer those questions. So I love the automated feature. That's one piece that I really like about it. The second piece is it tracks all those questions. Like, why are these people asking all these questions? What are these common questions? You, then you look at those reports, which you have to update your answers so the bot gets smarter and smarter. But you can also take that information and apply it to your website and provide that information so they're not asking those questions. So it's like a tracking tool to really enhance your website based on direct customer feedback. That's what I love. But since this latest version, the check availability, the bot's smart enough where it integrates in the reservation system and it'll ask, it'll prompt the user what trip they want, what time they want, and then it'll tell them, yeah, we have four spots available or we don't have anything available until tomorrow. And then that, you know, it turned into almost 50 grand for us this year, which is, that's awesome. That is really cool. Yeah. So I just went to your website to look at that and I was playing with it. And I was like, how does it know how to find the availability? Like, <laughs> what? And you guys both use Peak, is that right? Billy and Amada? I'm on Zola. Zola, okay. But yes, I'm on Peak. I've, I've been with them since they started. And then the second question was about how we handle bookings on the back end. Evan had mentioned that you get a decent amount offline reservations. How do those people find you? Tell us what that looks like. I think he's more referring to how they're booked through a reservation system. I would say 95, 90%, probably 95% of our clients come through some online source. That's my theory. But like, you know, there's, there's relationships with like, we have some camps we work with and some other like repeat customers, but I would say almost as Every customer is funneled through the website. So in my mind, everything is digital. We book a handful of reservations over the phone just because 
we are in venture travel. People want to talk to someone. They want to see if it's safe. You know, those are just things that are really hard to navigate without that human touch when you're Mm -hmm. a dangerous potential situation. And one thing, Amada, that would make sense here, we've done this for Billy over the years, is going after, like, I saw how active you are with Chambers of Commerce, CVB, basically local sort of community tourism promotional entities. I mean, getting backlinks from those sources are great, but I would say, I don't know if I'd call it a game changer, but we reached out to a lodge or resort that was um, in one of Billy's key target markets and got a backlink, but also helped, you know, create a relationship that Billy then went and handled kind of fostered, created and now fostering in person on the ground. But I got to believe, you know, being 45 minutes from Orlando, you know, there's probably some referral partnership potential that is still to be explored. Yeah, actually they're opening, there's a new place called Cabana Resort and they're a, they, it's a beautiful place to bring your, your kids and they do like mobile, the mobile trailer park type of thing, but it's like a theme park basically. <laughs> and they're opening a Margaritaville over here. And I ran into the woman who in charge of marketing and she's like, I wanted to talk to you. And I was like, that's so fantastic. Cause I wanted to talk to you guys. It's in the, I know everything takes like time, you know? Yeah. It's just a matter of getting checks in those boxes and putting those boxes in priority order. But yeah, it's a lot, <laughs> which is why we have a company because it's one thing running incredible, you know, tours or providing memorable experiences. It's another to try and be a professional digital marketer on top of that. Billy, was there a learning curve to starting to work with Thomas? Is there other tips that when you start starting to work with an agency in general or specifically Evan's team that you can share with other tourpreneurs? There's definitely a learning curve. My advice is to not think that you know everything. I know there's people out there that believe that they know what's best and what's right. Trying new things, I think, is very important. You know, working with an agency, you're typically working with like a marketing manager. That relationship is critical to be able to work well together. You're paying a good amount of money for the service, right? The amount of work you put in and can commit to it is you're going to see a much better return on the back end because you can't just hand it over and not do anything. There's a lot of pieces in this monthly or quarterly strategies that fall on my plate. You got to be committed. You know, if you're going to make that investment, make sure it's worthwhile. You know, having those those subject matter expert in each of these areas, like Google ads, you know, SEO, it's like content creation, like all this stuff really makes it impactful and and helps grow your business. It's just, it's being open, trying things and putting in the effort. And I think that's really important for anyone that's looking for an agency. We more often than not have folks that have come from a previous agency and they've just been burned. I think it is really important to ask questions about what is it like, okay, great. You know how to do Google ads and Facebook ads really well. What is it like working with an agency? What's that experience like? What can I expect? I think those are really important questions to ask as you're looking to, if you're looking to potentially work with an agency. So what can a a entrepreneur expect as far as like reporting and the analytics on a monthly quarterly basis when you're running these campaigns? I can let Billy speak to it. It's definitely one of the, uh, I would say differentiators for us is we have proprietary software 
that at any point in time, you can log in and see exactly how it's working. So the writing's on the wall. It's the ultimate transparency tool. It can be risky as an agency, right? If we're not performing, you can see it. So there's nothing for us to hide behind. So I would say our reporting is, is definitely best in class. We're also bringing in all of your data sources. So it, it's all right there for you. Amada, what's the biggest thing that's been holding you back from working with an agency? And has this conversation helped you today? When I first started the New York Broadway tours in New York, it was all, was what's the expression, shoe, string, budget, basically. Like I built the site myself. I made up the tours myself. It just came with ideas that I had, you know, throwing spaghetti on the wall, seeing what stuck. I got very fortunate to be able to hire a new guide, my, uh, my tour guide, Mike Haber, who's fantastic, who's also a working actor, and be able to give him more tours. That right there, being able to hire a new guide with a shoestring budget was fantastic. But basically, I just, I didn't think I had the money. I honestly did not think, you know, I could afford to even use a credit card to get somebody to help me with like an agency type of situation. And now as I've gotten older and like Billy said, don't stay headstrong and think you can figure it out, know it all. Like you really, you should, it's an investment that you need to make. I understand that now. I understand if I need help, especially now with the new baby and the new, the new business here, I understand that now. And so hiring an agency to help me would be, it just, it just makes sense. What's your biggest takeaway from our conversation today? It's just really exciting to be able to be back to work, giving tours, and also, you know, knowing knowing what um, Evan has shared with us today. I mean, a lot of the stuff in, in the back of my brain has rattled around, but, you know, the way he says it, obviously he lives and breathes this stuff. I'm just really thankful that I was able to have him take a look at my sites and offer his advice and you know, I'd love to hear more about what other products and services they have. Yeah, that was a good deep dive into your two sites for two totally different businesses in different states. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's a lot. And like I said, there's more that I want to do. I mean, I want to have this community directory and I'm going to be working with another organization that's going to handle group theater tickets. And so you'll be able to purchase tickets and bundle packages. And so being able to do Broadway workshops and things like that. And so that's all stuff that if I'm going to be doing it, I want to make sure that I'm doing my advertising the correct way. And that way it's going to make more sense. Well, I'm going to end it there. A big thank you to my guests today. And I think we gave our tourpreneur listeners a huge insight into some tips on increasing SEO working with bots and just marketing strategies in general. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.